Welcome back, everybody. My name is Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back, guys. Today is September 27th. This is the J&B's weekly wrap-up. We are back, baby. Yes, we are here to discuss some sports with you guys this afternoon. Absolutely. So here's the deal. We're going to switch up things just a little bit. We're going to have three topics here for 15 minutes each. And the last one we're going to talk about betting-wise. So we'll give you some spreads, and Jackson and I will discuss what's going on. The first one we're going to talk about for 15 minutes will be the MLB. But first, we're going to talk about the UFC real quick. Last night, right before I went to bed around midnight to 2 a.m., Conor McGregor came out and said he is fighting Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title belt for UFC 205. This is going to be the most packed card I have seen in a long time. They have headliners like Chris Weidman, uh, Cowboy Cerrone, Misha Tate. They have so many great people. But we will get into that more when it comes closer to that. That is around November. So stay tuned for that. Moving to baseball, we are less than a week away from the playoffs. So, Jackson, who do you have going into it, making your wild card in the AL? Well, we've got a tight race both both in the AL and the NL uh, right now for the wild card. I'll give you my first two out first, Bobby. Um, my first out is Detroit. They are in a series with Cleveland right now who has been hot all year long. They've got some serious talent on that team. Uh, possibly... A possible three-game series with Atlanta, but they'll lose two, two of those games against Cleveland, so that series with Atlanta won't matter so much. And uh, my second one, I know you're not a big fan of this, but I've got I've got Toronto falling out. I think uh, that ball, they're in a series with the Orioles right now, and um, the Orioles, I think, have the edge in that series, and whoever wins that series will be in the wild card. But I have Baltimore... You have Toronto. Baltimore has won three straight, entering a crucial matchup with Toronto. They enter, and then after that game, or after that series, they uh, play the Yankees, who are struggling this year, um, more than they have so in the past, at least. Uh, Manny Machado has had a great year hitting the ball for Baltimore, and I think they have the edge over that series with Toronto, putting them in Seattle. They've got a big series with Houston going on right now. They won the first game, and uh, they're struggling pitching, but their their hitting has has truly made up for it so far. All right, so I'm going to go against you here. I have the Toronto Blue Jays sneaking in there in the, one of the wild card spots. I think their pitching is unbelievable. Starters, they have Aaron Sanchez, 24-year-old stud. They got J.A. Happ, who's been pitching way above his means. His record this year, 20-4. and four. They also have Marco Estrada, young pitcher. He's 9-9 this year. They have... Marcus Stroman, who everybody was drooling on before he came up this year, coming out from Duke, and then obviously you have the knuckleballer, R.A. Dickey. You get in a short series with Toronto, they're very dangerous. I mean, their batters are so, so deadly all around. I mean, you have Edwin Encarnacion this year, 42 bombs. He's hit 126 RBIs. That leads the AL. you got former MVP Josh Donaldson, Michael Saunders, Troy Tulowitzki, and Jose Batista. But you don't have a single guy hitting above 300 on your team. You don't need to. you got so much power. They're going to supply the runs for you that way. They go deep, and they go deep often. They've got multiple guys over 30 home runs. I mean, that's incredible. You never see that. On, excuse me, a couple guys over 30. You have Josh Donaldson and Edwin Encarnacion. Then you got Saunders, Tulo, and uh, Joey Bats all over 20. I mean, you hit it that way. They're, they're, they're hit, they, they hit the ball so well. I'm not worried about uh, – In a matchup with the Orioles, though, you've got Manny Machado hitting over 300. Mark Trumbo's got 45 home runs this year, 104 RBIs. If we're talking hitting, I've got the Orioles. Well, that's fine. You can take them. It's going to be in Toronto because Toronto right now has a one-game edge on the Baltimore Orioles coming into Tuesday night. I think Baltimore also makes it. They go up to Toronto and then lose, and then that's what makes it more exciting because Toronto and the Texas Rangers last year – Got a little scuffle, and then it carried over this year into that opening two weeks of baseball when uh, uh, Odor ended up punching Joey Bats at second base, and then everything boiled over. But we'll see if they can end up getting a matchup, hopefully in the ALDS, to play for the World Series. It'll be aw- awesome to see. We'll see. And I and I do agree that if either of these two teams make it in, they're, they're two of the best teams in the AL right now. I think both of them have a good shot of making the World Series if they can just get that edge. Moving to the National League. Now, before we get started here, 
Uh, there was some very, very sad news that came out this past weekend, uh, past Sunday morning. Jose Fernandez, the pitcher, young stud pitcher from the Miami Marlins, got in a tragic boating accident where he ended up passing away. Um, if you did not see last night's game, they canceled Sunday's game between the Marlins and the Braves. The Marlins played at home last night against the Mets. Uh, D. Gordon, their starting second baseman, one of the fastest guys in the MLB, uh, led off the game. He was wearing Jose Fernandez's batting helmet, was in the right-hand batter's box, saw the first pitch because Jose Fernandez is a right-hand hitter, switched over to the left-hander batter's box and hit his first home run of the year. Uh, if you have not seen it, folks, please check it out. It's a huge tearjerker moment in baseball and why baseball is still one of my favorite sports to watch and follow. It's just an unbelievable team sport, an aspect of it that you cannot get in any other sport in the world. Such great camaraderie in the entire MLB after that. It was a terrible, terrible accident, and we're all just coming back from it. Every, uh, every step is slow, but we'll get there. Absolutely. So moving to your... National League wild card, who do you have sneaking by there with a such tight race between three teams? Well, I'll give you who I have out so far. And I hate to say it right now, but uh, I do have the Miami Marlins out. They're the fourth team in that wild card race right now. Too far to come back. They're down four games. I just don't see it happening with this, with this amount of time left. My other one is a little bit surprising to some people because they are a good team, and I could see them making a play or making a deep playoff run if they do get in. But I've got the St. Louis Cardinals as my second team out. They've lost three of their last four. They have to play they had to play Pittsburgh and uh they're they're um they are not hitting the ball great for power. They do have a couple guys with uh, high averages there with Yadier Molina hitting over three hundred. But home runs, leading guy 27 home runs. That's that's not too much right there. And that just leads me to the Giants. They're my first team in. They're in a series with Colorado right now. The Rockies are weak. They play the Dodgers, who will take it easy on them because the Dodgers are in the playoffs. The Dodgers don't want to get injured. They've got their last series with the Dodgers, last three games. I'd say they win all three of those games. Wouldn't be surprised if they do and go straight in to face the New York Mets. They played Philadelphia in their last series. Last time the Mets played the Phillies, they beat them 17-0. 17-0. The Mets pitching staff is amazing. They are, they're stacked all the way through. They've had some serious injuries as of late with uh, Jacob deGrom. Noah Syndergaard is back, um, but Steven Matz is also injured. And uh, so that, that, that's been a little rough for them. But they they found they found new guys. Yeah, with the Mets though, it's going to be tough. They have, a, as you said, a couple of key injuries that they're going to face. But they have the ace and Thor and Syndergaard. He's unbelievable pitcher so far this year, and of course last year who carried them all the way to the World Series, but they could not get the win. Um, I don't even have Mar the Miami Marlins in a category to make it. They're just as they they fell off the map after the All Star break. That whole month of August and early September, they just absolutely crashed and burned as hard as you could. Um, Coming into tonight, though, the New York Mets have a half-game lead over the Giants, and the Giants have a one-game lead over the Cardinals. But if by chance, Jackson, there is a three-way tie, you ready for this scenario? The Mets would face the Cardinals for a one-game to get into the wild-card position. The winner of that would then go and travel to San Fran to play the Giants in a one-game to get in and play the 100-win team right now in the Chicago Cubs that is going to be an unbelievable mark or feat for whoever can get into the playoffs if there's a three-way tie. I have the Giants slipping and not making the playoffs. Uh, I think their pitching staff has been absolutely horrendous this past month when they need to get wins. They just haven't been able to. The back of the bullpen right now is up and crazy. They have Romo now coming in and setting up them for saves. He was their setup guy this whole season. Um I think the Cardinals sneak in. I think they beat the Mets in a one-game playoff. I, it would be an unbelievable matchup. You'd have Carpenter against, against uh, Syndergaard. But I don't see those teams making it anywhere past that. If, if the Mets had DeGrom and had Mats, they would be very scary, but they don't. So I right now I have uh, the Cardinals making that wild-card game and winning that one-game wild-card berth. Now I'm looking ahead to the rest of the playoffs. Who is your favorite team and why? Well, 
I just wanted to add a little thing. I think the Mets, if they if they get into the playoffs, I think they can make a deep run with their young pe- pitching staff. A guy who has stepped up for them as of late was Robert Gelsman, and uh, he he can be really good. His his ERA has been under under three under three runs, um, and uh, he's a young guy just like Syndergaard and and Mats and all of them who who are very impressive. And I think that the Mets regardless of their two injuries, are strong, and I still look at them to make a deep playoff run. All right, now for the AL. Who's your favorite coming out of the AL to make the series? Um, well, I like the Boston Red Sox right now. Uh, they're playing great as of late. And, uh, and, and the, uh, like, the, the – uh, the, David Ortiz, he is just having a great final year for them. He he is unstoppable, making a statement. His over 100 RBIs, 124 RBIs to be exact, 37 home runs, a batting average of 321, and he leads them in almost every single category hitting-wise. Uh, they've, they've played ba- great baseball as of late. I like them in the AL. All right, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think Boston right now, they're the hottest team. They've won 11 straight games. Going into this final week, you always look uh, what Vegas has to say about that, being the hottest team going into the playoffs. And right now, they are the favorite to win the whole thing, even over the 100 and it's going to be 100-plus win in the Chicago Cubs. So you always have to watch out for Boston. And you know what? The last couple years in sports, you've seen players retire and go out on top. Peyton Manning, the last one to do that in the NFL. I would not be surprised if David Ortiz did not allow the Red Sox to lose in the playoffs, go out on top, and and uh and carries legacy and in, 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 into Ford for that, and obviously he'll be a Hall of Famer. And now looking at the NL, do you have the Chicago Cubs as your favorite? I do not. I think they slip up again. Okay. And who who do you have beating them? Well, like I said, I like the Mets if they do get in. But if they don't, I like the Washington Nationals. They uh, have have proven themselves this year as a legitimate title contender, and they've been on their way up there step by step by step through the past – few years and I think they're finally there Daniel Murphy one of the best hitters in baseball right now he's an average of 347 his 25 home runs which is the team leading number which is a little bit of a struggle for them is their power but I think they can push past that he has over 100 RBIs and uh, I think the Nationals use their momentum through the season their determination and their good young squad to make it to the World Series so you have the Mets going there back-to-back years. I'm going to go different with you. Obviously, everyone is loving the Cubs. I have a bet against one of my good friends, so I'm going to go against the Cubs. I still don't <laughs> think they have the, 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 the power to do that. I think they're too inexperienced when it comes to the playoffs. I'm going to go with the L.A. Dodgers. Ooh, interesting. So here, check this out. Their lineup is so, so good so far this year. They have Justin Turner with 27 home runs. He has Monty Grandal, who's a catcher with 27 bombs. Corey Seager, who could be the NL MVP, excuse me. They got Jock Peterson, who was in the home run derby last year. They got Adrian Gonzalez, a huge power hitter who plays first base for them. They got Trace Thomas, uh, uh, Thomas's brother for Golden State. I can't even think of his name right now. <laughs> and then they have Chase Utley, a stud, Yasiel Puig, and Howie Kendrick. They've just loaded huge names all over the board. He's talking about Clay Thomas, everybody. I couldn't even think of it. Clay Thompson, yeah, excuse me. Um, his younger brother plays for the L.A. Dodgers. And then their pitching staff are a whole bunch of studs. They got the best pitcher we have ever seen in the MLB in Clayton Kershaw. You can't beat the guy. When it comes to postseason, that's when he gets a little iffy. But I think this is the year that he's been off for so long because of the injury that he's finally going to be okay. He's not he has gonna, something to prove. He does have something to prove. They've always said that. They also have a young stud, Kenta Mieta. Unbelievable pitcher there. Uh, and then... After that, I mean, you have pitchers that could come off and help them in the bullpen. Kenley Jansen's the best closer in baseball. He has 47 saves this year, ERA 1.86. Huge reason why I did so well in fantasy baseball because of him. <laughs> uh, and with with him being in the back of the bullpen, you can work your way back, and you get to the eighth inning, you'll be set. So that's what I always say. And if you look at their schedule as of now, they've won five straight, and they have a three-game series with San Diego. Uh, coming up here, and that's three wins for them. Should be. They've got. They've already locked in a playoff spot, yep. but then they've got three games against San Francisco, a big rivalry there. 
I don't think they take it easy on San Francisco. They're starting Clayton Kershaw in the very first game at San Francisco. They aren't going to take it easy on the Giants. It's going to make it all the harder for the Giants to make it into the playoffs. Last thing before we switch topics here, the Dodgers are one game back from that two seed behind the Washington Nationals. Whoever gets that two seed will have home uh, field advantage, and that five-game series, short series, means Kershaw pitching twice could mean two wins there for the Dodgers. That's all the time we have for the baseball topic. So we're going to move forward and got, talk about the college football from week four. Let's start the clock at 15 minutes here. Your biggest takeaways from week four, what are they, Jackson? Um, well, let's start with uh, Ole Miss. And okay. this, this is hard for me, as you know, Bobby, to, to admit a blowout defeat. But um, – I think Ole Miss t- took advantage of Georgia. I don't think that Georgia was – I think they were overrated going into this game, but I did not expect that kind of blowout. And it shows you how good this Ole Miss team can be. They they are stacked offensively. Chad Kelly is a beast. Gonna, I think he's going to be a good player in the NFL. He's got a good build. He's pretty accurate. Needs to improve on a couple aspects. But I don't see Ole Miss losing the game for the rest of this season. I see them going 10-2 and two and making – BCS bowl game, and I think that's well-deserving. Um, Georgia, they're struggling. Ranked 25 right now, mm, that's a little iffy right there. I don't know if they should even be in the top 25 after that blowout to a 1-2 and two team, but uh, we'll see. Any comments on that, Bobby? No, I'm glad you're finally taking notes. The SEC is pretty weak other than that Alabama team. Well, I don't know about that because Ole Miss almost beat that Alabama team. I, I don't know. I think Ole Miss is good. I think they lost a couple games, but... I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, my biggest takeaway from week four had to be the Wisconsin Badgers in the Big Ten. That's what I got at number two. That team right there is an could be a potential Final Four team looking ahead. They have a very tough schedule moving forward. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now, coming into now week five, they've beaten two top ten teams. They beat LSU in that first week. Shocked the world. We don't know how good LSU is now. They have a new uh, head coach opening. Also take note of that one. And they just went to Michigan State and East Lansing and beat the living piss out of the Spartans. 30-6 to behind new quarterback, who I am all in love with, Alex Hornibrook. Unbelievable lefty. Threw the ball very well. He had 16 from 26 for 195 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The one interception was a Hail Mary right before halftime. But, I mean, shutting out the Spartans in the second half. You're playing well defense as, as well as your offense putting up 30 points against that great defense. Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you look back on it now, the the game against LSU, they could have played way better. They should have blown out that LSU team who just fired less miles. That's a whole another co- uh, topic altogether. But they should have blown out that LSU team the way they're playing as of late. And I think they're going to carry that momentum into a tough Big Ten schedule. I've got, as my number three takeaway, I've got Tennessee beating Florida. And, you know, UAP pollers are going to have to wait a couple weeks for to uh, to take off Tennessee. And uh, they, they just had a big comeback win against the Gators. There was a lot of Twitter battling going on before that game, a lot of Gators talking, a lot of smack. And uh, the Volunteers reacted late in that game after, after trailing 21-3 to at halftime. They scored 14 unanswered in the third quarter, and they uh, outscored the Gators 21-7 to in the fourth to win 38-28. to Yeah, uh, number one rule to college sports, especially young athletes, do not talk before the game, especially on the Internet when you can't back it up. Florida got handled for the first time in 11 years against the Tennessee Volunteers. Pretty embarrassing on their part. My takeaway is, the, like I said, the SEC is up for grabs. You had a Georgia team who was 3-0 and and looking very solid against a very beaten-up Ole Miss team get handled. Absolutely shut out the first half. Only 14 points total. They let up 45 total to Ole Miss. Florida was up big, blew a huge lead. Auburn, did you see that ending the Auburn-LSU game? That was crazy, but that's how it, that's how it should end. A good SEC West matchup like the that. The ref should have been fired before that. The guy was in motion. They never call a flag on that. This was the LSU offense. Called hike with triple di- trip zeros on the on the clock. Rolled out through a touchdown pass. LSU went crazy, which they should have, and then they called it back on uh, not hiking the ball on time. And then you look at the rest of it. I mean, you, South Carolina is not good. Kentucky's not good. Vanderbilt's not good. Missouri's not good. None of the teams that are ranked right now between 
Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, or Georgia haven't shocked me. They haven't been like, wow, this is a good, good team. The only team that I can say that could be good is Texas A&M, but I still don't buy them because you never know what's going to happen. The only positive I do have right now is Trevor Knight for Texas A&M, the old transfer from Oklahoma who beat Alabama his sophomore year when he played them in the bowl game. So we have to check it, keep an eye out on Texas A&M later where they will have to play Alabama, and that will be one game for uh, hopefully the ages. That's right, and uh, the SEC East is up for grabs. Alabama has a lock on the SEC West as of now. Going a little off script here, Bobby, but I want to get your opinion on the less mild firing. Okay, so here's what I actually wanted to say this as well. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you better watch out and better give Chip Kelly his leeway. If he is any sense of getting pushback from Notre Dame for starting out how poorly they have, and you're, if you're USC who's going to have an opening and you're, or, and you're LSU down in the bayou with an opening, you're bringing him as much money as you can because Notre Dame is not the great program they used to be. They are an okay program. The last 10 years, the only draft picks they've had in the first round, seven. Ohio State, 13. Alabama, 17+. plus. Those are great programs. Now, when you look at the big wins, they don't have that many big wins anymore as they used to. Who is Alabama beating every year? They're, they're always on prime time. They're always getting to the playoffs, if not winning the whole thing. Ohio State also going to Oklahoma. The next couple games after next week, all primetime games you're getting on TV. Yes, you get on TV for Notre Dame, but no one cares about when you're playing Duke. And if you're losing to Duke and the biggest upset in your program history, you shouldn't care about Notre Dame. So I would not be surprised if Chip Kelly after the season, if not before the season, because he's done it before at Cincinnati, leaves and goes to LSU and takes a perennial job. And then if not, Tom Herman from Houston, he should be on his way to a major program after this year if he doesn't want to stay. And then he could go to probably USC and do his offense there. Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to point out the fact that it was a unfair, in my opinion, unfair, abrupt, immediate firing of a good coach who's won you a national championship, had won an incredible amount of games for you. He's been a good coach at LSU, and this and it's not the end for them. I think that this is like a sign that they're quitting, and then this year's over for them. And that's unfortunate when you've got stars like Leonard Fournette. People like uh, – so, example, Nick Saban tweeted out, and I can't quote this because I don't remember it exactly, but he tweeted out something out of – it's disappointing that they that this was the end for Les Miles. It is disappointing, and I think that he should have deserved at least to finish the rest of the season. I think he'll get another shot. Les Miles is a good coach in the NCAA, and he and he will continue to see success. Oh, he'll get a job for sure, hundred percent. But if you like, you said Leonard Fournette. If you feel like you came back this year and actually play, because he could have sat out. They were talking about that with Jadavion Clowney a couple years ago. He was such a big hype going into his final year playing college football that he could have sat out and been a top draft pick. They brought Les Miles back after all the scrutiny he had last year, and they fired him after four games. It's, I don't think it's his fault. I don't think the players are, are cooperating with him. I don't think they have a quarterback. I think they relied too much going into the season on just Leonard Fournette, and I think that that was the problem because early in the early in the season, which it still is, but in the first couple games – Fournette was not living up to the hype, and obviously it takes a little while for people to get into their momentum, but um, yeah, I just don't think that was a fair firing. It was t- It's too early, too early. Four games in, no. It's a shame. Now moving forward to your top five. We're going to do top five this year. College playoff football is top four, but who is your first team out and move up from there, Jackson? My first team out is Houston, and I... Uh, I know I had them in my playoff picture earlier, but um, I can't seem to do that. Houston has to play Louisville at the end of the year, and I don't see the Cougars beating them. I love this Cougars team. I think that any other year they would be in the top four, but um, I just don't see them beating Louisville. They could, and they could shock the world, and I could admit that my defeat, but I I have them at number five. They're going to go to a big BCS game. Maybe they'll play Ole Miss. You never know. Do you have a number four? <laughs> I've got Michigan. I've got the Michigan Wolverines. I like them as the second team in the Big Ten right now. Um, they're they're doing good things. I uh, I I think that they will handle Wisconsin. I think that Wisconsin's in for a bit of a shock next week. Uh, I know. You, I, I see you shaking your head over there, Bobby. Oh, I'll just to let you finish off yours. I'm going to explain why I don't even have Michigan in my top seven. 
We got an Ohio State fan over here. Everyone, keep that. I'm a realist <laughs> fan in college football. I think Ohio State has a way better win, better two wins than Michigan has at all. And we'll go from there. But who do you have at number three? Michigan is my number four. They've got they, Wilton Spite has 875 yards on the season, nine touchdowns, one interception. That's crazy numbers. Jim Harbaugh's got that, this team going in the right direction. Number three, I've got Ohio State. And, I mean, it's, it's a stretch for me, but I thought I needed to change things up a little bit. I think that um, Ohio State could easily be the number two or the number one team, but I think it's a tight race um, there. I think JT Barrett's doing great things. I think that this team is going to make it all the way to the playoffs, make it to the national championship, and they could even win. But just as of performance have gone so far and relative to Louisville and um, – uh, Louisville and Alabama. I just think that Ohio State ranks a little bit underneath them. They had a huge win against Oklahoma, but I think Oklahoma's struggling. And then besides that, they played Bowling Green and Tulsa. Still better wins than Hawaii, Central Florida, Colorado, and Penn State or Michigan. That's why I've got Ohio State. No, above I realize Michigan. that, but I'm saying that's the second second best win is better than any win Michigan has. But who do you have at number one, and why, Mister SEC bias? I've got number two right now. Oh, we're still number two. I'm sorry. Yeah, and at number two, I've got Alabama. Wow. Don't be so quick on oh, me there, Bobby. Oh, my goodness. You have Alabama number two. Please tell me why do you have them at number two and not number <laughs> one. I've got Alabama at number two because their they're maybe biggest win on the season right now is their 52-6 to six win against USC. And, the, and USC is garbage this year. Like, th- that's that's not a big win at all. Mississippi, they struggled. They were down 21, I think, at one point. And they came back and won, which shows resilience and all that, blah, 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 blah. But I think the Crimson Tide will be the team that they have been in the past few years at the end of the season. But right now, I don't see that their wins give them the number one edge right now. Who I do have as number one is Louisville. And the Cardinals are playing great football. Here's a fun stat. Last week was the lowest amount of points they've scored at Marshall. 59 points was the lowest that they've scored. And how many points did they give up to Marshall? 28. But that oh my it's all about it's all about their offense. Look at look at these scores. They scored 63 points on Florida State. And and uh the they they're doing so well. Lamar Jackson is doing amazing things for them. He has 13 passing touchdowns to three interceptions. That's that's better than just about everyone passing and rushing he has 12 touchdowns he has 25 touchdowns through four games that's fine i i have louisville my top four um but this week against clemson this will be the first time they play not at noon and not at home i think they'll get it done and i think they'll get it done big probably not score 59 or above but i think they'll win that game big against a struggling Deshaun Watson offense. I see. I still think that the struggling Deshaun Watson offense with Clemson is still the same as possibly Tennessee team. Tennessee hasn't looked good all year, but they still find a way to win the game. And I don't know how they do, but they do it regardless. So I'm going to move forward and go with my top five. At five, I have Clemson. They haven't won pretty, but right now facing that Louisville team, I think they have them up there as high as possible because they still haven't lost. They were in the Final Four and Championship last year. Didn't get it done against Alabama, but lost by a single score. They're a very good team on paper, just like Ohio State was two years ago moving forward to last year. We'll see if they can get it done this upcoming week. They get it done there. I'm going to drop Louisville way out because Louisville's biggest win will be against the Florida State team that we don't know how good they are yet. Number four, I have Houston. Houston's still in my top four from earlier this year, beating uh, Oklahoma very badly. I think they have the upper edge against the Big 12 Big 12 is down to two schools, still undefeated. But other than that, if Oklahoma somehow wins that Big 12, there's no way they're getting in over an undefeated uh, Houston team who beat them earlier this year. At number three, I have Louisville. Solely on the fact that we had Florida State ranked so highly in the beginning of the year and they beat them very badly. But this is the first road test here for Lamar Jackson. Can he stay healthy? Number two, he's a lot smaller than Deshaun Watson. So that's why I have Deshaun Watson uh, higher than him on the draft boards, possibly when it comes to this April and May for the NFL. If Louisville gets it done, the ACC is down to one team, and that's Clemson. Or no, excuse me, that's, that's, that's Louisville. Louisville will be the number one team moving forward. They cannot slip up the rest of the year. 
Number two, I have the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State right now have has only played three games. They have a uh, tough game coming up in two weeks. They play Wisconsin up in Madison. You see them winning that game? I'm going to be going to that game. All right. Yeah. And I guess you'll see them I win guess that we'll game. See, I, hope, I, hope, <laughs> I hope we can win that game. Uh, I'm very still very highly confident in Ohio State. The only reason why I say this is if you look at Wisconsin's schedule, which leads me right to the perfect timing for this, Wisconsin just played at Michigan State. They won 30-6. This week they travel to Michigan. They play at 3-30. The week after that they have a bye. Before we have to switch topics here. Then they play Ohio State then Iowa, then Nebraska. All five of those are, are the best teams in the Big Ten. So they might be a little tired. We'll have to see. Good luck to them. It's a very hard schedule. And then I have Alabama at number one because they haven't lost and they're still the defending champs. Now we can move to the final topic before we get into the betting, and that's going to be the NFL. Some huge buyers and sellers from Week 3. Jackson, who do you have and why? Well, my number one buyer, and then back to my number one overall, I have the New England Patriots. Shutting out the Texans was a big statement. The, Texan, the Texans were 2-0 and going into this game. They were looking really good. They were high on everyone's boards. I think the Patriots were a little ticked off at their performance last week, and they found a groove, and uh, they, they found a way to shut out Brock Osweiler and this uh, Houston Texans team. Okay, so I'm going to sell the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals are one and two right now. They have two. Oh, I thought we were buying. Oh, you're buying the Cardinals. No, I, I'm buying. I'm buying the Patriots. Oh, you can buy the Patriots. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to sell the Cardinals. We're going to switch off here. I, I say that right now they are very close to hitting that panic button. Uh, they got blown out by the Patriots in Week One, and they lost at the Bills. The Bills are not a good team. The Cardinals are a playoff team last year, and they put up major numbers. And to get beat how badly they have, I mean, you only put up 18 points. Your offense is loaded with studs just everywhere. I mean, you have a great quarterback in Carson Palmer, and you have a great wide receiver, Hall of Fame receiver in Larry Fitzgerald, and probably the number one running back in David Johnson, and you can't beat these weak teams. You're going to be in trouble and in trouble quick in the NFL uh, the defense is not doing what they should have been doing early on this year, and they allowed the Bills' offense to put up 33 points. That's a not that's not a good look. What you want to have there? The Cardinals look great on paper, like you said, but Carson Palmer was picked off four times against the Bills to give the Bills their very first win. Rex Ryan and Rob Ryan, who he won't fire, no. <laughs> his brother, Bo Love. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've got a lot of talent on paper. They need to get it together. They need to become consistent. Once they find their groove, I think they can be decent. Maybe still make the playoffs at ten and six. I don't love them right now. Can we get back to buying? Yeah, go ahead, buy whoever you want. All right, I'm going to buy the Broncos. Twenty nine to seventeen win over a really good Bengals team. Semyon had four touchdowns and three hundred and twelve yards passing. Denver's looking good. I I love what they're doing, and I I do respect the Bengals. I think that they are still going to be a very good team. Going to make a good uh, wild card playoff push late uh, later. In the year, they're going to find their groove, too. I think they, they, you do not need to worry too much in Cincinnati right now. But uh, I love the Broncos. I think that they have the quarterback that they need, and uh, they're going to look really good moving forward. All right, so I'm going to buy the Minnesota Vikings, as I have this whole year. I think that moving forward without Adrian Peterson will be a struggle. But what they did this past Sunday to what possibly could be the best NFC team and the Carolina Panthers, and Cam Newton, they can do to anybody. They are such a strong team on paper, and then they play stronger on the field. I am very confident moving forward that their defense will step up when they need to. They get after the quarterback. They put pressure on. They put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. They now put pressure on Cam Newton. They have no slouch of a schedule either, but they're going to these places and winning ball games. I love, I love the, the Minnesota Vikings moving forward. I agree with you. Holding the Panthers to 10 points is tremendous and picking off cam newton three times cam newton looked like a rookie quarterback out there the former mvp looking like a rookie quarterback i think that he just lost that race in that one game when when he played the vikings right there he's not he's not winning the mvp this year and then this week they play monday night against the new york giants and then they play houston so they have some good quarterback competition they play coming up they have eli manning then brock osweiler then the bye week then they get after carson wentz so 
we'll see what happens. I, I have the Minnesota Vikings going 5-0, and moving to their bye week, week six, and that could be a very dangerous team moving ahead in that NFC North division. I also buy the Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of people are jumping on the Wentz wagon, and you know what? Everybody should at this point. He's built like Ben Roethlisberger, and you know what? He just beat up Ben Roethlisberger. The entire Eagles defense getting after Roethlisberger quite a few times, putting him on his butt. He also holds the record for most sacks without getting tackled. They stopped a lot of those <laughs> while he was standing up. But Carson Wentz put on a show, putting up 30-plus points. I think they won 34-3 to against the Steelers. Did what they needed to do, and congrats to the Eagles winning the Keystone State rivalry game. I love I love that game. I love that. I am jumping on the Wentz wagon. That game shocked me. I don't. I am at a loss for words at at that game <laughs> and right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, but the I, I, the they are not going to be a real playoff team. I don't think that the Eagles will. I, I think that they've seen recent success, and I think that they are going to carry this momentum into some wins in the future. But I think they'll hit a rock, and then they're going to stop and sort of steady out. They'll finish eleven and five, ten and six. You don't think they make the playoffs with that? I think they make the playoffs because I don't like the NFC East, but I I don't love the Eagles' chances to get deep in the playoffs. They have a very early bye this week's the, the bye. Uh, then they go to Detroit, to Washington. I think those are two big wins there. Then they play Minnesota very tough, but I think they beat Dallas after that. And then if you're looking at if you're looking at the schedule after the second half, it gets a little rocky. But if you start off the season and you're six and one, things are looking very bright there in Philadelphia. I think they cashed out big time, and I think Carson Wentz, coming from North Dakota State, is giving the one AA programs a lot of good and possibly huge uh, tension that they need to have because these players are playing well in the NFL for them. And if 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 another quarterback comes from a one AA school and performs like he does, expect more to happen and follow in his footsteps. I like Carson Wentz. I don't think the talent around him is enough to get it done this year. But looking into the future, I like the Eagles. Okay. Do you have any more buyers or are you on to sellers? I'm on to sellers here. Okay. Well, I'm going to sell one more person, not a team, Cody Parkey. <laughs> okay, guys. Now, this is rough for me. This, this, is, is, this is a tough su- su- subject for uh, Jackson Schroeder here, my partner, being such a diehard Browns fan that he is. The Browns had a chance to beat the Miami Dolphins on Sunday afternoon. Cody Parkey is now their new place kicker, ended up going three for six, and he also missed a game-winning field goal as time expired. He pushed it left. They went to overtime. Tannehill later on in overtime had a game-winning touchdown drive, sealed the deal, and the Dolphins improved to one and two, and the Browns 0-3 and looking at 0-16 as that tunnel is getting brighter there for them. Dun, dun, dun. Very, very difficult subject there for the Cleveland fans. I thought they had the, the game won. They got the ball back after they had Tannehill fumble the ball with under a minute to go in their own territory. And uh, being a place kick in the NFL can be a very short-lived job if you cannot make field goals. Hugh Jackson had his back. I'm selling him too, but Hugh Jackson's buying him. And uh, – I guess he's going to stick around until maybe he shanks three more field goals. Three for six? I think I could make that. I was a high school kicker. I could make <laughs> I could make anything under 50, in my opinion, but who yeah. knows. Who are you, who are you uh, selling this year, or this week, excuse me? I am selling the Atlanta Falcons. I think that they are on a little hype right now. They're two and one. They were not supposed to be good at the beginning of this year. They won't be good at the end of this year. Um, a win over the Saints means nothing. The Saints are have a terrible defense. Um, all they've really got going for them is Drew Brees at this point. And uh, Devontae Freeman went off for 152 yards. Di- still didn't get a score there. I think he had a 44-yard run. And um, that's going to be his biggest game of the season. The Falcons will fall off soon. I think they, They've got a few easy games coming up against division opponents. It's a weak division. I don't, I don't like the Falcons. So... Don't jump on that wagon too quick. That's your team. You're saying sell them. I I thought uh, the Saints were gonna be the team to win that Monday night game last night. I even made a five dollar bet with a buddy of mine, and he's from Atlanta, and end up winning that really easily. I thought Drew Brees was not gonna be able to start zero and three, but that could be a possible job opening as well. Sean Payton could be on the hot seat, and then Drew Brees is getting older in age. He's not getting any younger. He's not getting any healthier. 
We'll have to wait and see what happens with New Orleans. Things are not looking good in New Orleans. Not both football teams. <laughs> LSU and then, obviously, yeah. uh, Sean Payton and the Saints. Well, right up the road in Baton Rouge for yeah. LSU. I mean, all Louisiana teams. Who else are you selling? I'm selling the Giants. It's the same sort of situation. They're 2-1. and one. Eli Manning won't have success this year. He's still going to be the same guy. Throws just as many interceptions as he does uh, touchdowns. Two really close wins over the Cowboys and the Saints. Um, and the Redskins aren't that good. The Redskins are not that good. They're 1-2. Got their first win over the Giants last week. And uh, I- I'm selling Eli Manning and the Giants. I think they started off 2-0. and that's going to die off pretty quick, and they're going to hit even. Maybe finish 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay, so moving to the panic button. Who and what teams are hitting the panic button, and what teams are close but not yet do you have? Well, I've got the Carolina Panthers. I think their fans are hitting the panic button. I think their organization will hold strong. I think they still have, um, I still th- I think they still have confidence in Cam Newton and his abilities, even after throwing three picks, getting no – uh, touchdown passes last week. They couldn't get anything going offensively. Um, but that is to speak, they've got three easy games coming up. They're at the Falcons and the Buccaneers and the Saints. Those are three wins, easy wins, three of the easiest wins, except for maybe the Browns and the Jags in the entire le- league. They should get things rolling, maybe get a little confidence going, and uh, make a playoff push. All right, so I'm going to put the panic button on a team that people probably aren't thinking that should push the panic button and who are over 500, the Dallas Cowboys at 2-1. and one. Now, everyone's probably like, what are you talking about with the Dallas Cowboys? They're playing well. They just beat the Redskins. They beat the Bears. I am not buying Dak Prescott in that offense. There's a problem. You know how many touchdown passes he's thrown in three games? One. One. One touchdown pass, not multiple, a single touchdown pass against not the greatest defense in the Bears, not the greatest defense in the Giants, and not the greatest defense in the Redskins. Looking forward, they are going to a very weak San Francisco 49er team this Sunday. The spread is three points in favor of Dallas. If they were so good, that spread would be huge in favor of them. I don't care if you're going to San Fran. They are not the team to play for. They have the worst quarterback right now, stats-wise, in Blaine Gabbert. They should run all over them. Moving forward after that game, they should win that game. We'll see what happens. They face the Bengals, the Packers, the Eagles, and they play the Browns. They should beat the Browns. Then they go again and play the Steelers and the Ravens. Those are five out of six games where I see them getting absolutely throttled. So we'll see what happens with them. I do not uh, see a very high outcome for the Dallas Cowboys moving forward. And I think the Cowboys fans will be begging for Roma to come back healthy as ever and hopefully make a second-half push to the playoffs. All right. I I, I don't know. I, I do, I'm do. i not jumping on the Cowboys. I think that the NFC East, weak, or NFC East is overrated and weak. But that is a perfect segue into my top three new quarterbacks, new teams, new quarterbacks. Okay, let's hear it. What do you have? I've got Dak Prescott at number three. Wow. I think he is a selfless player, and I think that speaks to his one touchdown. He has 765, uh, 767 yards passing. He's working with a rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott as in the backfield. Led his team to a 2-1 record so far. I don't think that you can ask much more from that guy. 767 yards passing through the first three games is pretty impressive. And if you if you look at that in comparison with some other elite quarterbacks in this league, then he matches equally with them. I, I wasn't expecting him to be a good NFL quarterback. I thought he was a college star. I think it's starting to carry over into the NFL. I don't have him as number one. SEC don't bias. Have him as number one. SEC bias. Keep <laughs> we'll moving see. on. He's the one of the very <laughs> few SEC quarterbacks even starting in the NFL. But go ahead. Uh, all right, number two, I've got Trevor Simeon. Simeon. He has 756 yards and five touchdowns. You know where he went to college? Where'd he go? Northwestern. Big Ten, baby. Go ahead, though. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, he's leading the Broncos to a 3-0 record so far. And like I said earlier, I think that he has the potential to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. And and the Broncos have found their man. I think that this, has, as strange as it is, I think that letting go of Brock Osweiler and, and – Getting Trevor Simeon was a good decision, and uh, it's starting to prove a lot of fans of the NFL wrong right now. I think they found their man, and the Broncos are looking hot right now. Who's your number one quarterback? Number one, 
I think everyone can jump on this wagon, the Wentz wagon. Carson Wentz has 769 yards through the air, five touchdowns, defeated the Steelers to get to 3-0. and The Steelers I had as my number one team in the NFL last week, and I still have them in my top five. I think the Steelers are a good, talented team. I don't know what happened. They fell apart. They went into that game sleeping, thinking that they were just going to take it to an overrated Eagles team, and the exact opposite thing happened. Rookie quarterback, big presence, big game. All right, we have just a couple seconds before we have to switch topics. I'm going to go with a quarterback that uh, needs to be on everyone's radar. He's not a rookie, but this is his first year with the team. It's Sam Bradford, absolutely balling out there in Minnesota. Right now he's got a QBR of 107.8. He's got three touchdown passes. He's only been sacked six times. Uh, he's thrown the ball for 67.8 completion percentage, and right now the Minnesota Vikings are 3-0 and and looking unbelievable with a injured Adrian Peterson, who on the season only has 50 rushing yards total. So that will end our segment with the NFL. Moving forward now to the JMV Weekly Wrap-Up. Again, I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder. We're going into the betting segment. The last 15 minutes of this, we're going to talk about games. I'm going to give you the spread, and you tell me who you have and why. We'll start out with the four college football games this Friday at 9 p.m. in Seattle, Washington. The number seven-ranked Stanford Cardinal will face the number 10 Washington Huskies. The Washington Huskies are all 3-0, and excuse me, 4-0 with Stanford Cardinal and their uh, Huskies are favored by three. Who do you have and why? Well, this is an interesting game. I had the Huskies in my initial college football playoff. If uh, any of you listeners were listening to the very first episode of um, our show here, but I don't like them in this game. I think Stanford has proved um, proved that they are the best team in the pack in the Pac-12 so far, and uh, Washington is. A little overranked. I think that they are a team that could win any game, could lose any game. They're sort of they sort of go under people's radar, but that's sort of deserved. And uh, Washington State might even give them a run for their money at the end of the year. Here, they uh, they put up big numbers. Um, Stanford wins this game. All right. So here's the problem I have with the Pac-12 in this game: both the Stanford Cardinal and the Washington Huskies were on the road this past week. Stanford went to UCLA, won by, ended up being nine points, but they were only up by six, or excuse me, three points with under a minute to go. They ended up picking up a fumble that the clock ran out. Um, they were had a chance to lose that game against UCLA and uh, Rose in the quarterback, who could be a stud for the Bruins. And then Washington went a late-night Pac-12 game at Arizona. They won in overtime, 35-28. This game should be interesting. This time, Stanford is going on the road once again to Washington. I think Washington covers that spread and wins that game by a touchdown. I think Stanford will fall out of the top 10, and the Pac-12 will be on the edge again of not making the Final Four college football playoff. Next game, my marquee matchup of this Saturday, the number 8 Wisconsin Badgers against the number 4 Michigan Wolverines. Michigan is favored by a whopping 10.5 points. How? I have no idea. Who do you have, Jackson? I've got Michigan. Not by 10.5, but I do have Michigan winning this game. Wisconsin has proved themselves as of late, but them proving themselves was beating Michigan State, who no one thought was going to be a great team. And LSU. And LSU, who is not a great team. But they still were ranked high up there. They, had the they were. They were ranked high up there, but then, they, but then it turned out to be a pretty close game. I think Wisconsin's good. I don't think that they're good enough to beat a Jim Harbaugh-led Michigan team. I think that Michigan is a good team. I don't think that they're going to beat Ohio State, but I see Michigan going undefeated until the end when they lose to Ohio State. Let me ask you this question, though. If Wisconsin beats Michigan, they go back-to-back road games, and both teams in Michigan who are top at the time ranked top 10, do you have Wisconsin in your top four? Uh, How can you hold them out? You have Louisville so ranked so high after one win. This will be the third win, a top 10 team. Yeah, but Louisville's shown how how uh, incredible that they can be on offense. They've, 
Wisconsin's got no one putting up numbers like Lamar Jackson has been putting up. They don't up. need to. They have a team play. They have a great defense. What about that win teams? over Florida State? That's 63 points against That's Florida fine. They State. They got no defense. The defense for Wisconsin has been locked down. The highest points they've given up with the Georgia Southern at 17. They've held LSU to 14. They've held Akron to 10. And they held Michigan State to 6 points. The same Michigan State team who put up 35-plus on Notre Dame. Notre Dame, who you were t- saying earlier, is a garbage program this it year. It doesn't matter. They went, to Mich- they went to Notre Dame and beat them up. That's a road game for Michigan State who did it. I have Wisconsin surprising everybody once again and winning this game before they head to their bye. I think Michigan's very overrated. I don't think Michigan is tested at all. I think that 10.5 point spread, everybody should bet on Wisconsin to cover that. I would bet on Wisconsin to cover that spread. Okay. I think Michigan wins this game, though. Okay. 10.5 points is a little much. That's a way too much for a team that has not played a single good team yet this year, and everyone's drooling over them because of a coach. Moving on to the SEC here. At number 11, Tennessee, at number 25, Georgia. Minus 3.5 for Georgia. Well, if you would have asked me a week ago, I would have had Georgia winning this game. I would have had Georgia losing to Ole Miss, as I did, but I would have had Florida beating Tennessee, which turned out to not be how the cookie crumbled. But um, Georgia Georgia is a weak team this year, and it's really hard for me to say that, but I don't think the Kirby Smart hire was a great thing. I don't think that the Mark Rick firing was a great thing, and you can see that at the uh, through the success that he's had at Miami so far. Miami's a great squad with Brad Kaya and all them, all that athleticism. I think Georgia is going to find themselves beaten by a couple touchdowns, um, and I think that they're going to get knocked out of the top 25 for possibly the remainder of the season until the end. Oh, actually, I was wrong on that. Tennessee's favored by three and a half at Georgia. I was very disappointed in your Bulldogs this past weekend. I thought they were going to come out, show the world that Ole Miss is not that good. Unfortunately, went the exact opposite way. They got slow start in the first half. My father even called me up and was asking me about it. I said, don't worry, there's still a lot of time left. Nick Chubb could not get it going on the ground. And it was a long afternoon for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's right. I think Tennessee handles them with ease now in Athens, Georgia at Sanford Stadium. Now we've covered the other, we've covered the Pac-12, we've covered the Big Ten, we've covered the SEC. The only one left that has some meaning is the probably the best game we've seen on paper this year the number three louisville cardinals go to the number five clemson tigers right now clemson is just a two-point favorite at night at home who do you have it oh excuse me louisville's favorite louisville's favorite at george or at clemson by two who do you have i think you can guess who i have i've got the louisville cardinals and i've got lamar jackson running all over this team i think that they make their second statement of the year and I think that everyone is going to buy the Cardinals after this game. Okay, I'm going to go exact opposite of you. I think they have not had a road test yet, and I don't think they have seen the how loud, how loud Tiger Stadium can get there in uh, Clemson, South Carolina. I think Dabo Sweeney's going to be dabbing all over that defense uh-huh. of Louisville because his offense can be high power. They're going to be turned up a lot. I expect Clemson to roll this game big time. I'm going to take Clemson to win that game. Louisville's not going to be close to covering that spread when they lose this game. And the top 25 will be flipped up once again. With less than half a segment left, we're going to go to the NFL. In just a couple of days, the 1-2 and two Miami Dolphins go to the Cincinnati Bengals, who are also 1-2. and two. Bengals are favored by minus 7, a whole touchdown. This is a do-or-die game, I say, for both these teams right now. I agree, and I think it's more crucial for for the Bengals. And if the Bengals lose this game, then everyone's going to put them out of their playoff picture, which is would be well-deserved. But I think the Bengals win this game by more more than a touchdown. If you see, if you watch that game, Miami against Cleveland in Miami last week, Miami was ju- looked just as bad as the Browns, allowing the Browns to come back by 11 points, I believe. In in the in the second half in the fourth, fourth quarter, quarter. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and th- it, their defense is just nothing. I mean, they got Dominican Sue though. He's a very scary <laughs> person. Yeah, that's that's true. He also cost them a lot of penalties. I mean, that's what you're gonna get. You know what I'm excited for though is everyone's been harping on the Bengals. They just lost to the defending Super Bowl champions. I don't care who's at quarterback. They still have the title and the flag to hold up as a banner. They are the defending Super Bowl champs. They are the Best team coming into this year on defense on paper. Also, 
They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, a division rivalry when it was pouring down rain. And this week is the first week I can actually breathe a sigh of relief for our defense. The Bengals are getting back Vontez Perfect, the heart and soul, one of the hardest hitters probably in the National Football League. I think the Bengals at night in the jungle, Harambe's watching. I think the Bengals take this by 10 points or more. Now moving forward, this is a good game I'm very excited for. The 2-1 and one Oakland Raiders go to the 3-0 and o Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens right now are winning the NFC or AFC North, excuse me, and they are favored by 3.5 points. Jackson, who do you have? This is tricky because I know the Oakland Raiders aren't fully there yet. They're not at what they could be and what they will be in a couple years. But I don't like the Ravens so far. I think that they're weak and they've just won by a few points, a few easy to win games and I don't think that they should be atop the AFC North I don't think that they will be at the end of the year I, don't, I think they'll be behind the Steelers and the Bengals um, but I and I have Oakland winning this game I think that Oakland's going to I think Oakland's going to handle this game it's not going to be a big blowout or anything of that uh, nature but um, Oakland's going to knock knock the Ravens into their place a little bit okay so I'm going to agree with you here I think the Baltimore Ravens are an inflated 3-0 team uh, they beat the Bills by six week one. They beat the Browns by five after lo- where they were losing 20 to nothing. Any other NFL team this year blows out the Ravens that game. And the Jacksonville Jaguars, who you thought were going to be all this coming no, in this year. No, I said seven and nine or eight and eight. Oh, and three. There you go. They lost by two to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they were at home once again. I'm disappointed in the Jaguars. I think Baltimore gets beat. It's at home. Oakland travels a long way. I think Oakland wins this game by a field goal. So good luck to the Oakland Raiders in that point. The 3-0 Denver Broncos behind Trevor Simeon goes to Tampa Bay. Second true road game here for the young quarterback in Simeon going against another young quarterback in Jameis Winston. The Tampa Bay Bucks are favored by three points. The Bucks are favored? Absolutely, they should be. Oh, wow. No, I'm not for that one. I think that the Broncos Broncos are up there in my top two uh, two or three teams in the NFL right now. I th- Sorry, Denver. Excuse me. I'm always wrong in this one. Denver is minus three. Okay, thank you. That's more like it. It should be more than just three points. but um, In Tampa Bay. You yeah, I think okay. in Tampa Bay. I mean, Jameis Winston is so streaky. He could get on and maybe make a few plays, but uh, I, I don't think that Denver defense allows for that. I, I, they've got too much confidence, too much experience. The young quarterback won't do any damage on that defense. Okay, so here's the problem. I don't see Trevor Simeon getting as lucky as he did against Cincinnati. I think the Bengals defense wasn't 100%. I think right now Jameis Woodson has something very special going on with Mike Evans. Mike Evans in three games has three touchdowns, 21 receptions for 301 yards. The guy can't be stopped. Winston has thrown for almost 1,000 yards in three games and has eight touchdowns. I think the Buccaneers surprise a lot of people here, stay at home and beat the Broncos. And I'm going to be here next Tuesday saying I'm proud of the Bucs for that big win. I'm still buying them. They're 1-2 and two right now. This one will put them at 2-2. Two and two. The last game we have moving forward is the Monday night game, the 2-1 and one New York Giants led by Eli Manning. We'll go to Minnesota who is 3-0 and take on the Vikings, who are also 3-0 and looking to improve to 4-0 and stay on the buyers for Bobby's teams here. Who do you have and why in that game? Um, it's four and a half spread. Yeah, I've got Minnesota in that game. Uh, the Giants are on my sellers list for a reason. I don't think they're the same sort of uh, example as Baltimore. I think they're an inflated team, just like you said. And, and uh, I think that Minnesota, I'm finally convinced on them. I think Sam Bradford has found his home. And, uh, yeah, well, Minnesota's going to be a good team this year. I've definitely got them by more than four and a half points. I hope so. I I like the Vikings so far this year. I think they've played wonderful against some big-name teams. This will be uh, not a big-name team in the Giants as as far as how they played the last couple years. But quarterback-wise, when you have Manning on the back of your jersey going against probably the best wide receiver crew and Odell Beckham Jr., and the rest of the, his squad, they, Victor Cruz. they Victor Cruz and Shepard from Oklahoma, studs. But I think uh, Odo Beckham Jr. on such a big spotlight again blows up. I don't know if you saw last week. He got in a fight with the kicking net. Kicking net <laughs> fell back into him and looked like embarrassed, a little embarrassed there for o- Odo Beckham Jr. And then uh, he also was crying at the end of the game. 
Yeah, he's he he is uh, a little bit of a crybaby. He exaggerates stuff a little bit. Does he's a sore loser? He is a sore loser. I'm with you 100. percent Well, that is all we have for this week. Jackson Schroeder, again, thank you so much. I'm Bobby Levine. This is J and B's weekly wrap up. We're gonna be here the same time next week, and we'll have a whole bunch of new stuff and talking about possibly the wild card games and then the MLB playoff moving forward. We also have a new segment possibly coming. Don't want to jinx it, but we could have a phone call in with some new pick'em games. So everyone have a great week. Again, Jackson Schroeder and Bobby Levine on J&B's weekly wrap-up. So long, folks.